0: morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Green Trails, as uh, Erica said, and I uh, just want to add my welcome to that. My name is Tony Deekman. I'm the site pastor here, and we are in the fourth week of a series. As if This is your first time here with us this weekend. Uh, you've come in the midst of a series uh, titled The Red Letter Challenge, where we have been challenging one another to actually read the red letters in, in the Bible, you know, those red letters that have been Designated as Jesus' words. Editors have taken Jesus' words and colored them red. And we've challenged one another to to learn these words, to read these words, but more than that, to actually do what they say, to actually put into practice Jesus' words. And we've used this verse as our sort of theme verse for the series. And that's Jesus' words at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He does say though that the man that does not, that hears his words and doesn't put them into practice is a fool. And so we are seeking to be wise and doing that, we wanna follow after Jesus' words. And so today we've been looking at these different ways of being like Jesus and today we're focusing on this idea of serving. In fact, this whole week in the challenge will be times to practice serving an attitude of service. And Jesus gives us the perfect example you heard in the text that we heard read just a few minutes ago. We want to look at that. And I've heard it said that we're never more like Jesus than when we serve. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And he's instructed his disciples and us to serve as he has served. Now, We sit there and go, oh, yeah, okay, I could do that. But when you pause and think how Jesus served, Jesus served as a servant. He took the role of a servant. And when you think about that, it's crazy. When you think about serving like Jesus as a servant, it's hard. It's not easy. In fact, it's crazy hard. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. Try to think about this from a perspective of a servant I doubt any of you have slaves or servants but there are people that serve you all the time how many of you have been to a restaurant in the last week or two and had somebody serve you good portion how about ever okay (laughs) so the last time you were in a restaurant can you recall the name of the person that served you or how about the name of the person that took your dishes away did you share your name with them? What about the last time you took a a a flight on an airline? Do you remember the name of the pilot or the flight attendant? You know the ones with whom you entrusted your life? Do you recall their names? See oftentimes we just take those that serve us for granted. We don't take an opportunity to actually get to know them. We sort of just, that's their job, right? That's why I pay them. That's why I pay for my meal. That's why I leave a tip. That should say that I'm grateful. But that life of a servant is one that really goes unnoticed. I read an article several years ago that absolutely messed with me. And so I thought I would mess with you this morning by sharing the words from the article. And the article was about serving like Jesus. And the writer asked this question, do you believe you have the heart of a servant? And I was thinking, yeah, I, I, I think I do. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm working at it. And so then the next phrase was, so then next time you're out, next time somebody treats you like a servant, pay attention to what you say in your mind and what you feel in your heart. You know, the next time somebody cuts you off in traffic or steps in front of you in line or sort of moves you out of the way or doesn't say thank you, when you do something nice or doesn't ask your opinion. Pay attention to your heart and your mind when that happens. Because a servant would expect that to happen. A servant wouldn't react. A servant would remain silent. The servant wouldn't drive up next to the person and let them know they had been offended. A servant wouldn't yell, hey buddy, back of the line. Right? A servant wouldn't expect thank you. A servant would serve. A servant wouldn't make eye contact. A servant would serve humbly, not expecting anything in return. And when I read that article, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my answer's got to be no. But before you dismiss this as like, oh, that's ridiculous, that's not what Jesus is asking us to do, before we just say, that's just too hard, I can't do that, I think we really need to delve into what Jesus is saying, because he's saying to his disciples that you can serve like this, that you can live like this, and he's saying that to us today. So I think in order to really understand and to pause for a second and to take his words deeply into our hearts, I think we have to hear what he says. And I think we have to this morning, all of us, me included, we need to pause and just Let Jesus' words sink into our hearts and our minds because they're important words for us, especially in our culture today. So as we begin that, I'd ask if you would pray with me. Father in heaven, we we gather here in the name of Jesus, the powerful, humble name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for his love, for your just crazy, crazy love of us. That you would send your Son into this world, that you would continue to minister to us, that you would continue to teach us, that you would not give up on us, Father. We ask you to remember your promises this morning. Continue to change us. Continue to mold us into the image of your Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you and you have them still open as uh, we read the Scripture earlier and. I would ask you to turn to John chapter 13, and just as an opportunity, I want to just remind you, bring your Bibles with you. Bring your Bibles with you. You know, you can mark in them, and you can write in them, and you could take notes in them. This week, Amanda Scabina, our children's ministry director, had to, had to ask all those in staff, they're trying to teach children and, and, and youth in our ministry, that you can actually write in your Bibles. You can actually, like, highlight it and take notes and, and do that, and it's not a sin that you can actually do that And refer back to it. And you can go back years and see what you've reflected on. And so we actually have taken pictures of our Bibles. And she's going to show those to the kids and to the families. And so I say that to all of you. You can write in your Bible. You can actually bring your Bibles here. And and you won't be stopped and asked to leave those in your car. You can actually bring them in. You can do that electronically. You know, the Uversion Bible app is amazing because you can highlight verses. You can take notes. You can share those notes. It's a great way to study God's Word. Because as we talk about serving and forgiving and giving and going, we still need to spend time with God's Word. We still need to be with Jesus every day. And as he speaks to us, we need to, like, jot that down. Be reminded so that we don't forget those things. So open your Bibles if you don't have them. We're going to go through some of the text on the screen today as we go through. John starts this this chapter of, of the Bible, of his letter, chapter 13, It's really the opening three verses are kind of like this introduction to the next five chapters. These first three verses that John writes, he says, he places it in a historical context. It's there at the Passover that they're gathering for this meal. This is the last night of Jesus' life. This is the night that He's betrayed, it's the night that he's arrested, and the next day he's crucified. That's the night that this takes place, and John lets us know that by telling us and setting the time and date, and who is all there. He said Jesus is aware of what's going on, he knows what's happening, the Father has revealed that to him, he knows that he's going to be crucified, he's instructed his disciples, that's what's going to happen, and that's why they're there. He knows full well what's going to happen. He goes on to say that you know it was, as the meal was in progress, Judas had already been tempted by by Satan. Satan had already entered his heart. Judas had already agreed to betray Jesus. He'd already collected his 30 pieces of silver. Judas was there. And Jesus knew everything. And we get to see in this text right here, in these first three verses, that everything that happens from here on out, Jesus does with full knowledge. The last night of his life Jesus is not focused upon himself and what's happening to him or what will happen to him tomorrow Jesus is focused entirely upon his disciples as John said he loved them to the very end the night before he's to be crucified just horribly killed his, his, his heart isn't for himself his heart is for his disciples and we see later in John 17 his thoughts there are for you This whole discourse, he's thinking of you. Because in 17, it says he prays for his disciples, but he also prays for those who would believe in their testimony, that we would be one with them as they are with Jesus, as Jesus is with the Father, that we would be of one mind, that we would all heed Jesus' words. And the words that he speaks are for you and I. They're out of concern for you and I and for those that don't know him. That's the context for which this story begins. And then John goes on to give us what happens in the next moments. Jesus gets up and washes his disciples' feet. And as he does that, I think we can see three things. I think there are three things we can take away from this. I think there's things that I want to focus on this morning. And the first is, is that if you're going to serve like Jesus, there's going to be a cost. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be natural. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a cost, especially in our culture. Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago, but they're just as true today as they were then. Not only will there be a cost, but there will be an opportunity that comes with that cost, an opportunity that we'll look at here in just a few minutes. And then finally, Jesus says there will be a blessing. As he's told us over and over, as he's told his disciples, if you just do what I tell you to do, you will be blessed. (laughs) And so we'll see that there will be a blessing if we can just bring ourselves to do what Jesus asks us to do. And so that John begins the scene of what's happening here in this room. It says, so Jesus, who's sitting at the head of the table, which where, where he would have been sitting as the rabbi, as the teacher, as Lord, gets up from that position, goes over toward the door, takes off his clothes, outer clothes, puts a towel around his waist, picks up the basin pours water into the basin the basin would have been there to wash your feet he pours water in the basin and then we're told that he goes and starts to wash the feet of his disciples something that was so out of character for this time he took the role of a servant a servant would have been given this task in this culture it would have been the role of a slave or a servant to wash the feet of guests in the house it was that way, you see, in the Roman culture, the ancient Greek culture, this ancient Jewish culture, it was a practice to be done when you entered the house, especially before you ate and at bedtime. But predominantly, it was practice, it was, it was done by the servant, the, less, the least in the household, because it was a filthy, dirty job. Right? They walked around with sandals, open shoes, dirty, dusty roads, Right? manure-littered roads, Their feet would have been disgusting. Those are the feet of the disciples that night. And Jesus gets up and fulfills the role of a servant. The master of the table, the the rabbi, is going to wash the disciples' feet. That would have been unheard of. Rabbis taught in that time that that was the role of a servant, and a Jewish man would never stoop to washing the feet of his guests. In fact, that would have been the role of the female servants in the house. Or possibly the wife would be tasked with washing the feet of her husband. But it wasn't to be man's work. That was women's work. And now Jesus gets up from the table and starts to wash his disciples' feet. You can imagine the looks on their faces that their master, their rabbi, has taken on this lowly position. There would have been no expectation culturally that he does this. When he does this, you can see there's a cost, right? He has to give up his position at the head of the table to serve his disciples. No one would have expected that from him, but he did so willingly. And you think about the disgusting feet that he washed, and the feet... Of a tax collector, of fishermen, of a thief, and the man who would betray him. He washes his feet as well. And Jesus, in doing so, is giving his disciples and us this beautiful example. Now, in this culture, women were less than men. That's why it would have been given to women to do. They were thought of as not as important, less than. But our culture, I hope that we've gotten past that. Jesus gets us past that because how he treated women and children. But still, in cultures around the world, women and children are thought of as less than. But not here, right? Not here. We would never say, well, that's women's work. Well, we wouldn't say that out loud, but we would say, that's not, that's women's work. We wouldn't say that. At least I hope we wouldn't say that. And so we see here in the church and in in society, we see men and women working side by side, serving the less fortunate and and serving people in the church. We see that here. Communion assistants and ushers and greeters and people in the worship team, we see men and women serving side by side, but there's one area in our church that we don't see that. Do you know that? In children's ministry. In children's ministry, it's predominantly women that serve in that role. And I know, guys, we're not saying, well, that's women's work. But aren't we? You know how many men serve in our children's ministry here at Green Trails? Zero. So what are we saying? Are we saying that's just women's work? Now, I say that because, you know, I I don't want to just like call you out and have you serve because you're guilty because I know some of you and some of you would be a blessing to the children in our congregation if you would heed the call to serve. You would be a blessing to the children and you would be a blessing to their families. I know you would. But more than that, they would be a blessing to you. But in order to do that, there's going to be a cost. And the cost is, you can't say, I don't like that. That's not really my gift. Fairs are on at noon. I can't do that at 1045. There's going to be a cost. If you're going to serve on Kid Street, it means maybe you have to be here twice. You have to be for both hours on Sunday. There's going to be a cost. I get that. Jesus got that. But he's saying, to us, and to his disciples. You're worth it. You're worth it. So then he goes on, John says, and then he comes to Simon Peter. Good old Simon Peter. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, wait a minute, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And I find it interesting because something I, I, I came across as I was studying this that I'd missed before. And you have to read it, with the last verse in this verse combined, I think, to see it. Maybe you'll see it if, if, I, if I read it this way. So after he poured water into the base, basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter. Did you catch that? Jesus had already been washing and drying the feet of other disciples. And the whole time, Peter's silent. The whole time, everyone's silent. I don't know whether they're in shock, whatever it is, they're just watching their master, their rabbi, wash their feet, and nobody says a word. Nobody stands up and says, here, here, let me help you. At least let me carry the water. Nobody says a word. They just watch Jesus wash their feet until Jesus comes to Peter. And then Peter speaks up, and he says, Maybe, right? No, you're not washing my feet. You, those guys may not see you as Lord and Savior, may not, may not be humble, but I am way more humble than they are. And I see who you are, and you're not washing my feet. That's not happening. Again, Peter is telling Jesus what to do. Right, as he's done before. You're not going to Jerusalem. You're not going to die. And now you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus doesn't reprimand him. Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, you'll understand later. Never. Peter still doesn't get it. He still doesn't realize really who Jesus is. None of them do. Peter's sort of the mouthpiece for all of them. And then Jesus says to him, he says, unless I wash you, Peter, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. Jesus is basically saying to Peter, it's all or nothing, Peter. You either accept what I'm doing for you or or, or you can have no part of me. But he's also saying something a little bit more here. Because you see what Peter says, he says, unless I wash you. He doesn't say unless I wash your feet. Jesus sort of made a shift here. He's given them something to think about Later. Unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. Jesus is saying to Peter, he's saying to us this morning, unless I do what I've come to do, unless I fulfill what I'm going to do, unless I wash you in my blood, you can have no part with me. Jesus is saying there's going to be a cost for you to be clean, and it's going to, be, it's going to require me dying. That's the only way. No amount of humility on your part will make you clean. You're going to have to give up this notion that you can make yourself clean. You have to give up this notion that your false humility can fool God. The only way you can be made clean is if you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Peter still doesn't get it, but Peter being Peter shouts out, it's like, not just my feet, Lord, but my head and my hands and everything. And of course, Jesus doesn't, you know, he probably shaking his head on the inside, but not on the outside. And he turns to Peter and says, no, Peter, he says, if a man is clean, if he's been made clean, then all he need to do is, is have his feet washed. He says, if I have made you clean, Peter, something that you can't do, If I've done that for you, all you need to do is serve your brothers, is to be a servant like me to them. I've given you this example of how you are to live. I've given you this example of how you can serve everyone else. And Jesus is saying to you and I, I've made you clean. All you need to do is wash your brother's feet wash your sister's feet serve your brother and sister as i have served you that's all you need to do i've done the really heavy lifting but you can serve one another but it's going to cost you you're going to have to get up from your position your position of privilege the things the rights you've earned and put those aside and Actually serve those in need there 's going to be a cost, but I believe there's also an opportunity because here 's an opportunity for you then to teach, for you then to share why you do this. Jesus says to Peter and to his disciples, "You call me teacher and Lord, but that 's who I am that 's exactly who I am, and I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. I have made you completely clean i have paid the price on the cross for you. I've done all of that for you. I've given you such a great example for you to do to one another, serve one another as I have served you, because you can do that. You can't do what I'm going to do, but you can serve one another. And when you do those crazy things like Jesus, getting up and doing crazy things, getting up and working pads from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. and then going to work at 8? Or spending your Saturday at a a food pantry or maybe cleaning around here or or doing some other things for people and and raking leaves in your neighbor's yard and, and doing things for people that they can't do for themselves? Or volunteering to serve on Kid Street and giving up two hours on a Sunday? And people will look at you and they will go, Why in the world would you do that? You'll have an opportunity to say, Have I told you about Jesus? Have I told you about what Jesus has done for me? See, when you do those countercultural things and you follow the words of Jesus, you will have an opportunity to be a witness to the love of God as we see in Christ Jesus. You'll have an opportunity to be a witness and you'll have an opportunity to be Jesus. You'll have an opportunity for them to see Jesus in you as they get to see you serving them as Jesus has served you. They'll understand that you see them They will appreciate it, and you'll have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus as a witness and as being Jesus to one another. Have you seen this show called uh, Undercover Boss? You know where this executive, the CEO, the owner of the company puts on disguise and goes and then works with the everyday man in the everyday situation, you know, so nobody recognizes them to learn about what's really going on in the trenches, you know, and then they discover things aren't what they thought they were. Right, And so they make some changes and they they share this good news with people and they do things for some of their employees that are outstanding. And then at the end of the week, they get back on their plane and they go back to their office and they're back in the CEO position or president's office. But they have a better understanding of what's going on. See the thing with Jesus? He came and became one of us. Took the role of a servant. And he did so for the rest of his life. He got up from his table, took the role of a servant, went back to the head of the table, and continued to serve the rest of his life. Jesus served as a servant his entire life. The king of the universe became a servant and served his betrayer and served all of us. For the rest of his life. And he hasn't stopped doing that. He hasn't stopped serving us. He serves us in his, with his word. By the power of his spirit. That he sent into our hearts. As he created faith in us. As we believe. We have the spirit in us. He still serves us. And he serves us. Every time we celebrate this meal. Jesus is here. He continues to serve us. What we as disciples, cannot do is just sit around and watch Jesus serve. Because he promises to keep doing that. As disciples, we need to follow after his example as his disciples finally did and start serving those around us and giving up our perceived privilege and serve those around us because you're never more like Jesus than when you serve. And Jesus concludes this. He says, now that you know these things, now that you know them, you will be blessed if you do them. Do not kid yourselves this morning. We cannot sit here, hear these words, walk out, and expect this blessing. Unless we do what Jesus tells us to do. we can hear his words we can say well that's not my gift we can say that's kind of too hard it's not really good timing for me right now but we'll never experience that blessing Jesus has a blessing for all of us he said just do what I tell you to do I know it's hard I know it's difficult I know it's uncomfortable I know that it's not good timing but I need you to be my hands and feet in this world. Because it's not just about you, Peter. He says, it's about everyone else. And you have an opportunity to share that news with the world and a unique opportunity when you serve. You know, there's been mission trips through the years that people at Trinity have gone on, and one of the longest partners we have is down in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, And they go down and they'll do medical trips and they'll do building trips. And one of the things they do during the medical trips is that they get to wash the hair of children. And one of the reasons they wash the hair of children is because of the amount of lice that exists in this culture. Kids' heads are just full of lice. You know, several years ago, my wife went on one of these trips, on one of the medical trips. And if you knew how big of a germaphobe my wife is, you would gain an appreciation for her going down and actually washing the head. She won't wash my hair, but she'd go down there and she washes the head of these children and she says, still today, she said, I can still see the smiles on their faces. It was one of the greatest joys of her life was to just do that. And that's what Jesus is saying to all of us. If you can just step out of your place of high position for a moment, And serve as I have served. Your heart will be blessed. You will be a blessing to those that you serve, but I guarantee you, they will be a blessing to you as you see the joy in their face, as you see the the final recognition that somebody sees them. See, serving isn't just about what you do. It's a lifestyle. It's an attitude of the heart, of seeing others as better than yourselves, of more deserving Yourself. That was the heart of Jesus. See, if we want to live like Jesus, we need to serve like Jesus. And if we want to look like Jesus, we need to serve like Jesus. And if we want to love like Jesus, we need to serve like Jesus. What an amazing opportunity we have! What an awesome responsibility. I pray you hear God's words today for your sake, for the sake of the world. Would you pray with me?